Papa, I have a question. Hey, buddy, what's your question? I've heard that the Grand Canyon is millions of years old. Is that true? That's a really good question. There is so much confusing information out there. It can be hard to tell what's true and what's not. The Grand Canyon is a perfect place to talk about this, so I'm glad you asked. Do you remember our mystery sound? It sounded like a mule or a donkey. It did to me too. It was a challenging one. Here it is again. That is the sound of someone digging for fossils. <laughs> yes, and it fits perfectly with your question because there are a lot of fossils in the Grand Canyon. We'll talk about fossils later on and how they give us clues about the age of the Earth. The age of the Earth is an important question. It's more than just numbers. We need to take our time on this question because there's a lot associated with the age of the Earth. Let's start with some of the implications connected with this question. An implication is like a consequence or something that comes as the result of it. So this question about the age of the Earth is an important one because what you choose to believe affects other ideas and beliefs, like a domino effect. There are two basic worldviews about the age of the Earth. The first worldview to describe how our Earth started is based in the Bible. In just its first six chapters, it tells how God created everything in the world, that death and decay entered the world because the first humans chose not to obey God, and that there was a worldwide flood, often called the story of Noah and the flood, or Noah and the ark. In those first six chapters, we get about 2,000 years of Earth's history, where we came from, why bad things happen, and how the Earth was changed by the flood. Generally speaking, compared with the other worldview we will talk about next, the Bible says our Earth is young in terms of how long humans, plants, and animals have been on the Earth. Only about 6,000 years. That seems like a long time, but compared to the next worldview, it's very short. The Bible says that the Earth is only 6,000 years old, not millions. That's right. The second worldview is a much more recent perspective, only becoming prevalent in the past 200 years, although its concept has spread rapidly. And that's evolution. Evolution's main premise is that we were not created. Rather, an event called the Big Bang started everything. From there, change over millions and billions of years eventually led to humans existing. A significant figure in the history of evolution is Charles Darwin. He wrote a world-changing document published almost 200 years ago in the 1800s that basically says nature selects the strongest and fastest animals, eliminating the weaker ones. Plants, too. Evolution teaches that we were not created then? Yes, and that we have evolved or changed very slowly over time. If you accept that we were created, you accept a whole package of believing the Bible as a historical document, that there is a God. He is interested in your life. There is good and bad, a flood, and the list goes on. And if you accept that we were not created, you accept a whole package that our world just happened, that there is no God. There is no such thing as good or bad, or a flood, and the list goes on. What we believe here can have a major impact on the way we choose to live our lives. 
I know this is a lot of information, but is it making any sense so far? I think so. The Bible says our Earth is only thousands of years old, but the but the evolution teaches that the Earth is millions of years old. You summarize that very well. Now, science is not always about proving, but about looking at the evidence around us. Evidence is the information we have from our observations. An example might be that I see a tree fallen in the woods, and there are clear marks near the base of the tree. It looks like something chiseled away at it with its teeth. Based on the evidence, I reasoned that there was a beaver that caused the tree to fall. I haven't proven anything as of yet, but the evidence is suggesting a beaver. We can do the same thing with the Earth, and the Grand Canyon can help us. Before we go exploring in the Grand Canyon, remember two things. First, we won't prove anything today. No one can prove how our world started. We will look at the evidence and make a good judgment. Second, we need to be respectful of others who disagree with us. Roger, Dad. We are investigating the evidence so we can make an informed decision for ourselves, not to prove anything to anyone else. If someone is rude in this process, shame on them. We will continue to be good scientists anyway. Well, that's enough prep. Let's go exploring. If you look on the internet, you can find pictures of the Grand Canyon. If you can right now, pull up a picture while Edmund describes what he sees in the picture of the Grand Canyon. Edmund, how would you describe what you see on the cliffs of the Grand Canyon? It looks like lines. Do those lines look jagged or pretty straight? Pretty straight. Some geologists, and geologists are scientists who study rocks and landforms, say that those layers represent millions of years in the past. Each layer may represent a long period of time. But do you notice something funny about those straight lines that represent long periods of time? What? Let me ask another question. Is the surface of the Earth where you live really straight and flat, like the lines you see in the Grand Canyon? No, it's bumpy with hills and steep parts. Exactly. If our Earth is bumpy now, do you think there's a good chance it would have been bumpy back then with rivers, mountains, and other features? Yeah. And yet we don't see much of any of that in the lines on the Grand Canyon. At the very least, the layers in the Grand Canyon do not accurately represent the surface of the Earth presently. Either there was little to no erosion in the past, or the layers in the Grand Canyon were deposited quickly. Deposited is a fancy word for being dropped or laying down. How can someone lay down lots of heavy rocks? That's a great question, and it leads us to a very important tip when researching. Listen very closely. Not everything we see today is exactly how it has always looked. Have you ever seen a handprint in concrete? Yeah. Well, that concrete didn't just appear with a handprint. Someone put their hand in the concrete while it was still soft, and then it hardened. The concrete you see now helps us understand something that happened in the past. That's what geologists do. They look at rocks and layers of rocks and try to think about what may have happened in the past and how the rocks formed. It's like reading a story in the rocks. 
I'll be honest, when I see the layers of the Grand Canyon, I see evidence for a large catastrophe involving great amounts of water. You could call it a flood. Like in the Bible? Yes, like in the Bible. A fun activity you can do at home to demonstrate the layers of the Grand Canyon on a small scale and with your parents' permission is to take a large clear container, put in some water, dirt, small stones, and any other small outdoor material you can find, then give it a good stir. It'll start to look like chocolate milk. Let it settle over a few hours or even a few days. Notice how it looks. Does it look familiar? Every time I've done this, it looks a lot like the layers of the Grand Canyon. Here's a question. Did it take a long time to create those layers in your glass container? Probably not. And it probably didn't take long for the Grand Canyon to get its layers either. And that explanation makes a lot more sense to me, especially since the layers are generally so smooth and straight when Earth's surface is not smooth and straight. So the layers in the Grand Canyon are evidence for a flood? Yes. But remember, we didn't prove anything. It's a very simple and reasonable explanation for a huge flood. It's evidence not proof. And that's okay. We don't have to, nor will anyone be able to totally prove how the Grand Canyon came about. We are being good scientists, though, and considering the evidence. Are you ready for an idea of how the Grand Canyon was formed? Uh-huh. Do you remember playing in dirt and adding water to it? Yes. Do you remember ever creating little dams or things like them? Yeah. What happened when a little section of your dam broke? All the water went out. When the water was flowing away, did it carve away sections of the mud? Yeah. That's a good explanation of what likely happened to create the Grand Canyon, but on a much, much, much larger scale. So the Grand Canyon could have been formed by receding floodwaters. Receding means leaving. If there was a flood and some water was dammed up or trapped somewhere inland, a break in a dam wall could have released great amounts of water, creating a huge canyon. The canyon itself is evidence for a flood, but again, not proof. No one can prove the age of the earth. Here's another piece of evidence. There are fossils in the Grand Canyon. The thing about fossils is that they cannot form over long periods of time. Have you ever seen a dead animal on the side of the road? Yeah, it's sad. You're right about that. It is sad. But did it turn into a fossil? No. <laughs> no. When something dies, it decomposes. It gets eaten by other creatures or turns back into soil. While death can be sad, it's amazing that nature doesn't waste anything. The nutrients and energy from that animal are used by other creatures or returned back to Earth to be used again, perhaps by a flower or a tree. Anyway... Fossils form rapidly from being buried quickly, like what could have happened during a large flood, mudslide, or some other event that happens quickly. Fossils buried in the earth are automatically in evidence in favor of a flood, definitely not a long period of time. You can have some fossils created in our world today, but very few actually do. The Grand Canyon has lots of fossils. That is evidence that lots of things had to die quickly and be buried. That is strong evidence for a flood. That is evidence for a flood, but again, it doesn't... Prove it. I know, Papa. 
That's some good evidence, anyway. You're right about that. But Edmund, even though we shared some evidence for the flood in the Grand Canyon, there is a lot more out there. I also want you to know that while there is a lot of evidence that suggests a flood, others with a different worldview can look at the very same clues and see evidence to support their perspective. It reminds me of something that happened in my classroom recently. You know, I teach in an elementary school, and I let my students listen to the first few episodes of our podcast without telling them we made it. Well, when we finally decided to tell them, how did they respond? They didn't believe us at all. No, they didn't. Even when I said, "I'm Moose Jaw Matt," until next time, keep exploring your world, one student said, "That doesn't sound like you at all." It reminded me of a very important truth. It is a difficult thing to convince somebody of something they don't believe, and impossible when they don't want to believe. The same is true of the debate about the age of the Earth. Very few people change their minds about their opinions, even when faced with reasonable evidence. For those who choose to believe, there is always enough evidence. For those who choose to doubt, there is never enough evidence. There is so much evidence. Not only that there was a flood, but evidence to support all the claims of the Bible. Friends, I believe you were created by a loving God who really cares about you. This was a fun episode to create, but very challenging because there is a lot of information, confusion, and misunderstanding out there. If you have any questions, please send me an email, and I'll do my best to answer them. Send an email to. Nature and Science for Kids at gmail.com. No spaces, no capital letters, and use the number four. Again, Nature and Science for Kids at gmail.com. It's also a link in the episode notes. We also have a Patreon page and our first two supporters. I would like to give a big thanks to Jeff in Tennessee and Ted in Nevada. Both of them will be featured in future episodes. Get to select the topic of an upcoming episode, and will also receive a shout out for their birthday, as well as get the quarterly email. If you would like to join as a Patreon donor, click on the link in the episode notes. You can also support this podcast by leaving a review and sharing with a friend. Once we have ten Patreons, I'll release a bonus episode. For our next episode. I'll be eager to share personal stories from a backpacking trip I took in the Grand Canyon nine years ago. I'm Moose Jaw Matt. Until next time, keep exploring your world. <laughs>